Father, we want to thank you for this incredible journey that you've had us on, Lord. Been able to take through this first historical book of the early church, one that has been rendered to us in holy scripture, in your word, so that we're able to see the devotion and the de dedication of these men and women comprise the first believers, especially since the latter portion of this book highlights Paul. We've been able to consider him these last several weeks to marvel at his commitment and his dedication to getting the gospel to places where it's never been before. God, I pray that you would speak to us here today. Lord, we pray that as we bring this book to a close, that as our thoughts focus on this man fulfilling the dream of his heart, that we would consider those things that you have put on our hearts, Lord, for us to accomplish, Lord, that are no less valid because this is the story that goes on and on. Show us what those things are here today, Lord, we pray. Would you fulfill those things that you've put in our hearts, Lord? Lord, let this be for your glory, Lord, and for our joy and for the salvation of every person in Whatcom County that doesn't know you yet. We pray these things in the matchless name of Jesus and God's people said, amen. amen. Back in 2006, there was a man in Jerusalem by the name of Yitzhak Kaduri, Yitzhak Kaduri. He was well-known, but he died in January of 2006. And he lived to a ripe old age of 108. Before he died, he claimed that he knew who the Messiah was. It's a famous man in Jerusalem. He wrote, wrote this down on this small note. But he said to his disciples, make sure that you don't read this until after I die during his funeral. Now, at his funeral, this would have been April 2007, there were 200,000 people that came to his funeral in Jerusalem. This was a famous rabbi. And they decide to look at the note, and on it, it says this, Yeshua is Messiah. <laughs> many have not known his name, but have many have known his name, but have not believed it was him. And of course, this shook up Jerusalem. This is just a decade ago. There was another man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who God used to shake up Jerusalem. And we've been looking at his story over the last several weeks in the book of Acts. And we're gonna wrap the book of Acts up today. We see three times where his conversion story is revealed to us in the book of Acts. And that's how important it is uh, to the author, Luke. So we followed him in this book and we've seen him in the synagogue in Jerusalem. We've watched him at his consent of the death of Stephen. We followed him up to Damascus on that road when he sees Jesus. He gets blinded. We watched him when he was blinded, but, but after that he could see and he starts preaching it up 
and it causes a shakeup. All kinds of things were getting shaken up. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? Went down to Arabia for three years. He's studying the Old Testament scriptures. He goes back to Jerusalem. They had to lower him over the wall, remember, in the basket, and went down again into Jerusalem. Things are getting stirred up. Another 14 years later, Barnabas goes and brings him to Antioch. And then he begins to go on three missionary journeys to take the gospel to the ends of the earth until he ends up in prison, in house arrest in Rome. And that's how the book of Acts ends. Acts 28, 30, and 31 says, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the what? Kingdom of God, right? Pastor Taylor talked about last week, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Look! How many of you looked? You notice that when you, somebody in a crowd, like they just point to something and, or they point their camera and everybody looks? I kind of think that's what Luke is trying to get us to do. He's trying to get us to look at the first book and first chapter of Acts when it says that these were the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Through the book then, we see the same things that Jesus was doing, the early church is doing now. And at the end of the book, it kind of ends off with this to be continued. It's kind of a, an ending where we don't really know the end of the story. And I think Luke does that on purpose. He's trying to point us. Acts 29, the story needs to continue here at New Song Church. And he wants to use each of us Every one of you, every person, every member on mission in a, pro, a prayer devoted mission lifestyle, wherever God has put you and wherever God has sent you. We'll look at a couple uh, lessons from Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was the fourth largest city of the Roman Empire. This was like the New York City of Asia Minor. It had a population at that time of 225,000, was in every sense an urban center. And I believe that the call to discipleship is always in the context of real cities where God has placed you. Ephesus was this major financial center, not only for Asia Minor, but for all of the ancient Near East. It was proud to be home of the worship of the mother, mother goddess Diana, <clears throat> as the Romans called her. Uh, the Greeks called her Artemis. She was this fertility goddess and the embodiment of sexuality and sexual lust. Her temple in Ephesus was one of the seven wonders of the world. It was this massive structure. And now in the center of this business and political and religious center came forth one of the most influential churches in the history of Christianity. Jeremiah 29 verse seven says this, but seek the welfare of the city to which I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. 
don't know if you saw the Bellingham Herald. Do we have anything going on uh, in Whatcom County? What do you think? I was just looking the other day, and I don't know if you saw this, but it's car theft numbers in Bellingham staggering as the rate quadruples in the first two months of 2022. During January and February, 136 vehicles were reported stolen in Bellingham, 300% increase. And what caught my attention is not so much that. I mean, we're always going to have theft and crime. I'd rather see it go down. And, you know, people don't really care until it's their car. It's just news. <laughs> but the uh, Bellingham Police Department uh, chick here, Claudia, we love her. She tells the Bellingham Herald this. It's really staggering, the number of car thefts we've already seen this year. Unfortunately, there is, isn't a single reason why it skyrocketed. Lie. The devil comes to steal. And therefore, there is not a single solution to make it go away. Lie number two. <laughs> I love you, but... <laughs> you believe in the power of prayer? My wife and I went down to um, a gathering in Orlando a couple weeks ago, and the prayer ministry that we're working with is called International Prayer Connect. Uh, we're helping mobilize prayer to see a Bible and a believer and a body of Christ and every remaining unreached people group by 2033. And we picked 2033 because that's the 2,000-year anniversary of the Great Commission. Uh, so we spent a couple days doing that, and then we said, hey, we're in Orlando. Let's take the kids to Disney World. Yeah, so we went to Disney World for two days, and my wife is this most courageous intercessor, and she prays for kids all the time. She's been doing it for, for decades, literally. And so she's praying for the kids in Disney World, and we get there, and um, I think this was March 8th. And we just had a sense that God was gonna answer prayer. And so we're praying for Disney World and for God to do something when we're on vacation. And a massive thunderstorm, lightning. We got totally drenched. <laughs> I mean, pounded. I'm ready to go back to the hotel. <laughs> but of course, we gotta go on Space Mountain one more time. <laughs> Stand in the line for 45 minutes. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> go dads. Yes. Uh, found out last week that they arrested on March 8th, the day we were there, 100 plus pedophiles. Uh, they did a sting and one of the, one of the guys was a tra human trafficker of mass numbers, goes to jail. Uh, the Lord's kingdom broke in in response to prayer and made something wrong that was right. I'm not saying it was just us, it was probably my wife, but there's probably a lot of other people praying as well. But I wanna encourage us today, and this is kind of the point of the message. I want you to rise up with courage. It's not okay to just let things happen. We wanna see the kingdom of God increasing right here in our own city. So let's start praying about that little car thing, and then we'll see another report coming in the news. Hopefully it'll be the good news. <laughs> I... Uh, Love Paul because Paul is so practical in his ministry. And we saw this in Ephesus. He wasn't just a preacher, but he was a tent maker. He made tents for a living. And he, would, uh, set, he set up camp right in the heart of the city, this urban center. Probably slept upstairs. He did his business, tent making business. And during the day he would do that. And then he would preach and teach uh, in the afternoon. 
It was in this, this hall, um, and he was making disciples and proclaiming and teaching the kingdom of God for a couple years there. And I love Acts 19, 9 and 10. It says, he took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now, that's a lot of people in two years to hear the word of the Lord. So this is one of the strategies I believe that God wants to give us. Let me say it this way, just real frank. Your job matters. Where you work, God wants the kingdom of God to come there. You don't just go to work to pay the bills. You go to work to represent Jesus. He wants the kingdom of God, right? His reign and his rule to break forth right where you go to work. He wants to use you to do that, amen? If you're a mom, where's that? It's in your home with your own kids. It might be in your neighborhood with the other neighbors. But I want you to get this vision that God wants to use you to see the kingdom of God come right where you are. Do you believe that today? He's also making disciples here in the same area, Epaphroditus, uh, Trophimus, Archippus, Philemon, Timothy, Erastus. I mean, all these guys graduated from Paul's school of discipleship. And as they listened to the apostle preach the word, they were set on fire and they went out to go plant churches and make disciples all throughout Asia Minor. And that's how that happened in a two-year period. How are we gonna get every person in Whatcom County to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus? He has to use every single one of you to be, in the, be a disciple in the school of the word of God. Get, get your heart set on fire. And then right where you are, right where you live, right where you work, bring the kingdom of God there. Amen. Acts 19, 21, it says, now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Acacia and go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So that's kind of the rest of the book. It's gonna go to Jerusalem, Caesarea, and then off to Rome. In this whole time, he's gonna be persecuted, threats on his life, shipwrecks, go through a lot of suffering. He's gonna preach the gospel a bunch of times to kings and then he's gonna end up in Rome. Now, one of the things I think is a lesson for us here, and then we'll talk about the, the remaining portion of the book. Today, there is no church in Ephesus. Be modern-day Turkey. Not even a city there anymore. That's beside the point. There's no church. Here's your warning. Jesus, in Revelation 2, spoke to the church at Ephesus. A big church, growing church, flourishing church, multiplying, making disciples, church planning, doing all the stuff of the kingdom, except for one thing. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned your first love. The love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, Repent, turn back, and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Is God's word true? They lost their first love, they didn't repent, and today there's no church. 
What does it mean to return to your first love? I was, uh, this morning, I went back, uh, got up early, did some prayer, and went to where I first got saved, up at the Nooksack Bible Camp. Um, wasn't a Christian at that time. Heard a 93-year-old preacher share the gospel. <laughs> the guy was like, bold. And all of a sudden, I just get overwhelmed with the presence of God, which I didn't really know what that was. I get convicted of sin. And that night, I, the counselor asked if I wanted to get saved. I was like, I don't know. I was still trying to figure this whole thing out. And uh, it was about midnight. Come under, I can't sleep. Come under, under a tremendous conviction of sin. Just knew that I was a sinner. And Jesus comes and he visits me in a vision. Um, I don't know how to explain that, but it was true. Big smile opens up his arms, I could see his nail-pierced hands. And uh, in that moment, I gave my heart to Jesus. I said, I wanna follow you the rest of my days. I didn't even know what it meant. I mean, I really didn't. I was so uh, raw in all this. And big smile. He has lots of joy. Woke up the next morning, I'm like freaking totally different. I mean, I don't know how to explain it, but like... I go home and like, I wanna do the dishes. I mean, I, I wanna do the chores <laughs> for a 13 year old. I mean, all the moms in the room, just get your kids filled with the Holy Ghost and they'll do the chores. <laughs> I wanted to read the Bible. I was reading through the book of Mark and, and, and uh, what especially caught my attention was the, the cross verses on the cross. I was like, whoa. And I just wanna read the Bible all the time. And I wanted to share my newfound love for Jesus. Went to all the neighbors, freaked them out. You know about Jesus? <laughs> Let me tell you. I don't care if you don't want to know, I'm going to tell you anyways. Yeah. Radical change uh, at that moment. Got saved and got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's true for every one of us. And it, one of the things I think is so critical when I think back to those first works, am I preaching the gospel every day? Right? Am I reading the Bible a lot? Am I focused on the cross? Am I doing the things that I did at first? Right? Am, I, am I serving people? And uh, if I can just give you one little tip. If you're feeling uh, sleepy today or just a little bit down or discouraged or you're just not really feeling like you're in love with Jesus, it's okay. He loves you so much. Knows right where you're at. No condemnation. All it takes is one decision today to just come back. Just one step. That's all you have to do. But I want you to remember, what was it like when you first got saved? And for me, I think one of the keys is, is getting back to the cross. One of the things that really helps awaken your heart is to look at Jesus and to remember his body and his blood and all that he did for you when you didn't deserve it. Amen? Uh, I put a little... Uh, Go to the next slide here. Um, I did a 40-day devotional on the cross this year with Lou Engel. And this went across the globe and hundreds of thousands of people going through this right now. And just, if you can take a little picture of the, the code, um, you can have some uh, short devotions and some verses and some songs to be able to meditate on the cross. And I've found the more that I do this, my heart starts to awaken. Starts to, and I start to fall in love with Jesus again. Amen. Um, that's also our website there. You can find some of the prayer points for things like Ukraine and Afghanistan, all the things going on in the world today. So take a peek at that if you can. Uh, but please, uh, let's get back to the cross. Let's get back to that place. Uh, and that's 21 days from now until Easter. 21, it's a good season, right? 
And for the church, traditionally, this is called the Lent season. When the church is, uh, you know, God calls the church back to meditate on the wounds of Jesus and the cross. So each day, just a little bit, and just let the Spirit of God reveal the love of God to you. And I think you'll start to see your heart warm up to the Lord again. Let's talk next about Paul's courage. So the last nine chapters of Acts present an action-packed account. I mean, it is action-packed if you haven't read it yet. Uh, There's an attempt on Paul's life, a real one. It's followed by his uh, imprisonment at the hands of two Roman governors, not just one, and his harrowing uh, shipboard journey. The shipwreck culminates there uh, in Rome. In many ways, Paul experiences, I think, kind of like what Jesus was going through. You know, maybe um, Jesus' last week on the way to the cross, this is Paul for a couple years now, a lot of suffering, uh, he's on trial, attempt on his life, etc. Uh, after the conflicts in Philippi, uh, at Ephesus, Paul receives threats of imprisonment, death, Acts 23. Uh, two attempts are actually made on his life, 21, 23. Paul's taken into custody by the Roman government, gets put on trial, uh, suits brought against him, false accusation, Acts 24, by both Jews and Romans, which though false, ultimately leads to his execution. We think, Bible doesn't tell us this, but uh, according to church history, he was executed in Rome. Uh, through this all, I mean, all that, that Paul went through, he has this extraordinary grace to maintain what I wanna say is Courage. Courage. He continues to work. He's preaching despite the threats. Uh, he even dares to preach to his captors, both Jewish and Roman captors. In the end, his courage proves decisive. Not only for his work of preaching, but for saving the lives of hundreds of people in the midst of a shipwreck in Acts 27. So his own words sum up his attitude of courage to those that are around him. He is a man that does not shrink in fear. He says this in Acts 21, 13. What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So he doesn't run away from that. He runs to it. He's a man of bravery, a man of courage. It's it's not so much that Paul's a man of extraordinary courage, but, but really that the Holy Spirit has so filled him up on the inside that that gives him courage to fulfill the the assignment that God has for him. Paul credits the Holy Spirit for keeping him going in the face of such adversity. And it's this encouragement that God wants to give us today. You're not in, in a position where Paul is, probably, but what is it that you're facing today that you need courage What's before you that might be causing some anxiety or some fear or some worry where you get tempted to maybe shrink back and not keep pressing forward? Where do you need to be brave? What dangers are before you? I want you to just kind of, as Taylor called us, present that before the Lord today and we're gonna ask God for breakthrough. How often you know, do, do you relate to this when, when we just begin to shrink back? And we don't take that step of courage, right? God wants us to get above 
these circumstances and see from God's perspective, like in an elevator, right? You know, press it, you're on the bottom floor here, but let's get up to that 12th level so you can actually see from God's perspective, right? Yeah. I hate elevator music. It's bad on so many levels. When we worry, when we, we get discouraged, fear says, what if? Faith says, even if. <laughs> fear paralyzes, faith propels. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its struggles, right? But today of its strength. So let's overcome our worry with worship. Let's get our eyes on him. Let's look up. Let's not shrink back. Let's take courage. Acts 23, 11 says the following night, Paul had just gone through this tremendous season of trials, accusations in Jerusalem and Jesus comes to him the following night. The Lord stood by him and said, take courage. It's his word to you today here at New Song Church. Take courage. Rise up. Take courage. Don't shrink back. Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. What are we gonna need in order to take courage? I think we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. There's five major stories right in the book of Acts of the outpouring of the Spirit. It happens again and again and again. Are you asking him, fill me again with the Holy Ghost? 58 times the Holy Spirit's mentioned in the book of Acts. It's the primary person in this book. It's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. You are literally the temple of the Holy Spirit. God has taken up residence in you. Take courage. Take courage. God promised he'll never leave you or forsake you. The Father will never abandon you. He is right there with you. Take courage, New Song Church. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want us to listen to a song right now, or actually a prayer put to music. I did this. Uh, just uh, with some, some phrases that I wanted the Holy Spirit just to kind of wash over you. We're gonna take a few minutes here and uh, just close your eyes maybe and receive and, and listen and just hear Jesus saying to you today, take courage. Amen. You are an overcomer, a victorious warrior in him. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. The Spirit always leads you Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. As he is in the world, so are you in him. Right now, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Satan is under your feet. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away and everything is made new in him. He gives you everything you need for life and 
and mother may forsake you, God will never leave you nor forsake you. He has engraved you on the palms of his hands. Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you. The Holy Spirit comforts and strengthens you in him. He has prepared good works beforehand for you to walk in them. He is watching over his word to perform it. Through the blood of Jesus, you are redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus, all your sins are forgiven. Through the blood of Jesus, you are justified. You are made righteous just as if you had never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, you are sanctified. You have been made holy. You are set apart to God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are redeemed, cleansed, justified, and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. Through the blood of Jesus, every curse for disobedience is broken. Through the blood of Jesus, every blessing of obedience is yours. Through the blood of Jesus, the way to communion with the Father has been opened and no one can shine. Through the blood of Jesus, you are an heir and possessor. You are a royal priesthood of all the riches of the Father's eternal kingdom. Therefore, devil has no place in you. He has no power over you. No unsettled claims against you. The very song of the Lamb surrounds you today with eternal victory and joy. You overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil mm. through the blood of Jesus. Jesus loves you today with every fiber of his being. With all of with all of his soul, with all of his strength. Your bridegroom, the Lord Jesus, is truly head over heels in love with you. He treasures you. Mm. He takes great delight in you. He enjoys you even in your weakness. You are certainly more sinful and flawed in yourself than you ever dared believe, but at the very same time, Jesus knows you the best, but he loves you the most. He never stops thinking about you. He's been dreaming about you. In fact, you are his dream come true. Mm. He rejoices over you with singing. He delights in every single moment that you give him. He loves you with an everlasting love. It's an unfailing love, an irresistible love. Death has no power over this love. It's an eternal love. It's an unbreakable love. It's an unshakable love. The way that he protects, the way he goes to any lake to have his love for you is that intense. It's an all-consuming love, a relentless love, a never-ending kind of love. There is nothing that you can do that would make him love you more and there's nothing that you can do that would make him love you less. It is who he is. It is his nature to love. And you will always be his beloved. Mm. And his love is unchanging. He loves you 100% just as you are. He won't love you any better when you become better. 
And even if you have no plans to get better, he still loves you 100%. That is his nature. He loves all the way, all the time. The Lord says to you today, mm. give me your heart. Yes. I will take it. And I will love you as you are right now. I love you as you are so it's your job, says the Lord, to be loved outrageously. Mm. God says, I am he that loves you outrageously. My love comes to set you free from rejection and from shame and from despair and from loneliness and from abuse. When I look at you, says the Lord, I see someone that I love. Mm. I see someone that I take great delight in. So receive my love, my perfect love that casts out fear. Amen. How do we move forward as we get ready for Easter? We've got three weeks left. I want to give us a simple way to cultivate blessing around the people that God has put in your life. How are we gonna learn how to not just be blessed like we just heard, God has blessed us immeasurably with his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. But God blesses us to be a blessing to others, amen? How can you be a blessing to the neighbors that are around you? And just came up with a simple acronym, BLESS. Uh, the first one is this. The B stands for begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. First of all, start to ask God how you can bless your neighbor, your coworker, right? Your unsaved family member or friend. But then also, who are the people in your life that you can begin to pray for by name, right? Names are important in scripture, right? It's names that are written in the Lamb's book of life, right? John 10, he knows you by name, those that are his, how can you pray for them by name? Just maybe five people. You start right now, by name, pray for them to get saved. Amen? Is that pretty simple? Yeah? Okay, good. First, pray for them, begin with prayer. Second thing, listen. A lot of us have a tendency to want to give advice and to talk, but I think God wants us to learn the gift of hospitality and to welcome our hearts to those that don't know Jesus yet and hear their story, listen to their pain. Uh, let them share with you. Become listeners first. L stands for listen. Next is my favorite one, eat. <laughs> we gotta learn how to spend time with people over meals. All throughout the word of God, people are eating. Jesus is eating with them. Take them out for coffee. Spend time with them over a meal. Have them into your home for a meal. It's very disarming. It's a practical way that you can serve them. Uh, when you're listening to them, you're praying for them, and then you're listening to them, and then you're eating with them, then it's very easy to do the next one. You're gonna know how to serve them in real practical ways. Might be groceries. Might be watching the kids sometime. Uh, might be, they need a little financial gift. You know, whatever it is, people that don't know Jesus in your life, we gotta rise up and take courage. I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes I kind of shrink back a little bit. Anybody like me? I know I am like me, but 
Begin with prayer, listen, eat with them, serve them, and then what do we get to do? Share. We get to share our story with them, how Jesus has changed our life. We share the gospel story with them. And I've found many, many times when you uh, do these steps, real intentional, this is for everybody in the room. All of us get to do this. Hey, raise your hand if you're in. Okay, good. Come on, come on. Yeah, good, good, good. Begin with prayer. Listen, eat with people that don't know Jesus, right? Serve them and then share the gospel with them. I think that kind of a lifestyle will open up people's hearts. If you don't have the courage to share the gospel with a non-Christian yet, at least invite them to church. Right. We buy a coffee for them, you'll sit with them. Can you at least do that? Yeah, this is a great opportunity. Uh, as we're getting closer, as Pastor Taylor mentioned, he's gonna be sharing the good news. And so it's a great time these next three weeks to begin uh, inviting people to church to hear about Jesus, amen. Father, I thank you for this time. Thank you for today. Lord, we love you. We love being loved by you. We thank you that it's your perfect love that casts out fear, that helps us to take courage. And we ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit to increase, Lord. Fill us up again, God, in our minds, our hearts, our emotions, in every aspect of our lives. Fill us up with the Holy Spirit, we pray, so we can have power to be your witnesses and live this blessed lifestyle. In Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Jason. Hey, if you'd stand with me really quick, we're gonna get you out of here in just a second. Prayer team, you guys can go ahead and come up. If you would like prayer for anything, we would love the opportunity and honor to pray for you. Uh, if not, have a great week, everybody. Remember, service time changes next 10 and 11.30, and we're looking forward to seeing you then. Thanks so much for coming.